So God's going to come around and take that up. Um, Neil, our senior pastor, is not here this morning. Uh, he, is, he is unwell at home. He's uh, been struggling for a little while over the last little week. So keep him in your prayers and, and anyone else that you may think or know that is, that is unwell. It would be good to be praying for them. But as, as we, we get into the message today, over the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been working through um, a series that we've called The End of Things. It's been a bit of a challenge. Has anyone else been a bit challenged and confronted by the messages over the last few weeks? Because we've been looking at what's known as the Olivet Discourse. Okay, so it's a, it's a, um, a passage in Matthew, uh, chapters 24 and 25, and it's where Jesus is speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, hence the name Olivet, um, about what will happen in the end. Jesus is speaking to them about the future and the signs that we will see when the end is coming. And so because we're still sitting here today, what Jesus was speaking about is still yet to come. And so we've been looking at, 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 at what it is that is to come. And over the last few weeks, up until now, we've been concentrating on Matthew 24. Um, and that, you know, talks about signs and, and the things that we're ex- to expect. And we've looked into things in Revelation and, and letters that have been written by the apostles that, that point to those same things to get some clarity around what it is that we are to expect and, and what our stance should be in that and where we should be fitting in. And, we, and, you know, we've been reminded to ensure that our faith is in God and Him alone. And that we need to be prepared and ready for, for those that are going to come and claim to be the Messiah. But we know through the passages that we've read that there will be no mistake when Jesus returns. There will be no mistaking when he comes back. And then last week, Neil spoke about the rapture, when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to, he's going to rescue his church how Jesus will come and rescue all of us who have personal relationship with him before the final tribulation that is going to be poured out on the world. And so again, being reminded just to place our faith in Jesus, to trust in him and him alone. You know, we've been reminded not to be scared of the things that are to come, not to be afraid, because Jesus coming back is a great thing for those of us who believe in him. But today, so today we're going we're to continue on in this, in this series that we're doing. Um, and, but, but we're going to move into Matthew 25 today. And um, we're going to look at the first part of Matthew 25. Um, and in there we'll find two parables, two stories. Um, and throughout Jesus' ministry, he would use parables to help us to understand and explain and reinforce what it is that he's teaching. Some real world examples for us to understand. And so we're going to spend some time looking at these two parables today. Um, They're well-known parables and you're probably familiar with them. And so what I want to do is as we we dive into that, I want to just stop and we're going to pray as we open God's Word. So let's pray together. Lord God, I just thank you for your Word. And I pray this morning as as we read from your Word that that you would open our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our ears to the truth 
and to understanding and the things that you would have for us today. Whether what we're reading and what we're hearing is maybe being heard for the first time or maybe it's being heard for the hundredth time. God, I pray that that as we read and as we hear what we are reading this morning, I pray that, that you would come and speak directly to each one of us. God, use this time to continue to transform each one of us, to grow us in our understanding of who you are and who we are in you. Amen. Okay, so as I, as I mentioned, we're going we're gonna to look at, the, at, at two parables, two stories that can be found in Matthew 25. So if you have your, your Bibles with you, I encourage you to, to grab them out because the, the passages are, are fairly lengthy bits and they'll be on the screen as we read through it. But it'd be good for you to be able to go back and refer to the different bits and pieces as, as we're going through. Um, so I'm going to start with, obviously, from verse 1, which is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. So we're reading from verse 1 through to verse 13. And it says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who look, sorry, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the five who were wise uh, enough took along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to the shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or hour of my return. So that's the first one we're going to look at today. And so I just want to spend a few moments working through this parable that Jesus shared. You know, it's, it's important for us to remember that when Jesus is telling a story like this, when he's, when he's sharing a parable, um, he's sharing it with the people of the time. So his disciples who are Jewish... Um, the story was focused around Jewish culture. It was relatable to the society and the customs of the time. And so in Jesus' time, when Jesus was around, in a Jewish wedding, the weddings had three different parts to them, similar to what we do now, so, but a little bit different. So, so the first is the engagement, right? So we've got, we've got engagement in our culture. Um, but the difference being is that the engagement is an agreement between the two fathers. It's got nothing to do with the children. So aren't we great that we don't have that here? We get a choice. And maybe there is a choice in that, I'm making an assumption there, but the fathers make that uh, agreement. And then there's a second part, which is the actual wedding. Okay, so it's, a, it's, the, it's the betrothal part. It's, it's what we would call the wedding. It's where the bride and the groom come together and they make promises together in front of everyone. 
And then there is a final part, a third part, which is the marriage celebration. And that commonly took place about a year after the rest of it. So there's this lengthy gap between when the promises are made and when the the marriage becomes official and celebrated. And part of their culture is that the bridegroom would actually come at an unexpected time. They'd just rock up and people had to be ready. So there's that to think about in context of what we're reading here. The other thing is the ten bridesmaids. What's the significance of the ten bridesmaids? All the way through the Bible we see different different numbers that are mentioned and sometimes they have significance. The ten bridesmaids and the ten lamps is, is a customary number in the wedding party in Jewish society. There would usually be ten bridesmaids and there would certainly be ten lamps that were used to light the way for the bridal procession. And so then when we put that in context of the story that we've read, you know, we can, we can safely assume that both the engagement and the betrothal and, and wedding ceremony part have taken place. And so this story picks up when the bridesmaids are waiting for the bridegroom to come and collect his bride at this unexpected time. And then there would be the marriage celebration. And so there was uncertainty as to when the bridegroom would come. And so all of the ten bridesmaids in this story that we've read have a lamp. And this is more likely to be a torch, which is you know, a, a stick with the cloth wrapped around it that they would dip into oil, they would soak it in oil and then they would set it alight. And as the oil burns away, the light would go out. And so these torches were intended to provide light and show the way for the wedding party to enter into the marriage feast and into the celebration that was to come because of the wedding. And so then the other thing for us to remember here is that remembering that that Jesus is talking to his disciples and indeed he's talking to us now as we read this about the end of the world and his return. And in this story, Jesus is referring to himself as the bridegroom. He is the one that is coming at this unexpected time and he's, he's reminding us to be ready for his return. And each of us needs to be ready to light the way, to shine his light, to find both other people's way and our way into the celebration feast. And the other significant part of this story is the oil. And oil is referred to throughout the Bible in many different passages and it's, and it's an emblem of the Holy Spirit. So if we think about this for a minute, without the oil, the wedding party was not ready for the bridegroom. Without the Holy Spirit, no one is ready for the return of Jesus. You know, oil, oil is a great representation of the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you some examples. So first of all, you put oil in a car, put oil into an engine, moving parts. It enables those moving parts to operate smoothly together. Just as believers, when we are filled and operating in the Holy Spirit and we're working together, we will find that there is limited friction and things just work really well together. Like when, if we're a body, we're doing everything that we're supposed to be doing and it just works. Yeah? Oil in biblical times was also used for medicinal purposes. 
It was used for healing, just in the same way as the Holy Spirit brings about God's healing in our lives, brings about restoration in our lives. And like in the parable, like in the story that we've read, oil was used to to burn, to light, provide light, just as the Holy Spirit is God's light in us. And not only does it produce light, but it also produces warmth, just as the Holy Spirit and God's presence brings about warmth and comfort and peace in our lives. Now, olive oil was also used as a perfume, to make you smell nice. And in the same way, we could also say that if we have the Holy Spirit in us and we're allowing it to work in us, we are more pleasant to be around. And so the Holy Spirit plays a really important part in the story that Jesus is sharing with us today. It's for our own preparation for his return. Because when we have God's Holy Spirit in us, it brings out the freedom that we have, as we've read in Romans, as you can read in Romans 8. And it says this, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Can we get that one up on the screen, Dave? Thanks, mate. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We have freedom because of God's Holy Spirit. And then in Ephesians 5, 15 to 18, it says this, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thought." but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, again, as, as followers of Christ, we need to ensure that we are allowing the Holy Spirit to fill, shape and provide us with wisdom that comes from God to act and, and fulfil the purposes that God has for us. And not to be foolish and to ignore this incredible gift that we have been given. But to use it to go into the world and shine his light for all to see. To to be aware that God is inviting us into his plan and his purpose. Like what Isaac was sharing again this morning, that he, he gives us people in our lives that we need to be speaking his light and love and grace over. Okay, so I want to I want to leave that parable there for a minute. So just keep thinking about that one. And we're going to continue on in reading through Matthew 25 with the second parable, with the second story, which is the parable of the three servants. And that starts in verse 14. And it says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their ability, and then he left on his trip. The the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 
But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, so again, let me give you a little bit of context for this story that Jesus is sharing. Context that helps us to understand what Jesus is saying to his disciples and indeed is saying to us again today. You know, and, it, and again, we may be very familiar with this parable. You know, in, the, in the New Living Translation, which is what we've been reading from today, it talks about bags of silver. But in other translations, you may, you may recall that it talks about talents. Yeah? And the servant... The servants are given five talents and two talents and one talent, respectively. And this this word talent can often be confused uh, with people's skills and abilities and that in itself actually isn't a bad comparison when we're looking at this story. Because this this is about us using what we have to extend God's kingdom and to bring Him glory. But the the talents that Jesus is referring to, or or as we have in this translation, the bags, was was actually a unit of measure. It was actually a weight. It was used when when dealing in in, uh, things of value. In this instance, silver. And so a talent is the equivalent of 45 kilograms. So each servant in each bag is given 45 kilograms of silver. And so in the time when Jesus was sharing this parable, was sharing this story with his disciples, one bag or one talent of silver weighing 45 kilograms would have been worth about 20 years' wages for those servants. Just stop and think about the enormity of that for a moment. 
Think about the value of what that master is giving to each of his servants. This, this wasn't just some natural thing that the servants have. It wasn't just a natural gift or ability or a, or a talent that they were born with. This is, this is something much more that the master is giving to them. And so the master then hands out, in total, if we do the maths, five plus two plus one is eight, yeah? Which is 360 kilograms of silver. 160 years worth of combined wages. Even for the servant who received the one bag of silver, that value that had been given to them, they could never realistically repay that, could they? And then as we read through that story, we see that the three servants do very different things with what they've been given. The servant with the five bags, obviously he has a bit of business and, and financial skill because it says that he invests the silver and he doubles it, its value to gain an additional five bags, an additional five talents. Using the gifts and the abilities that he had to increase the value to be at work in using what God, uh, the master, in this case God, had given him to increase its value. The servant with two bags used their abilities to work and double the value. Same as the first servant, gaining another two bags. You know, and so in this passage it says that the, the second servant worked towards increasing the value and, and we don't know what that may have entailed but maybe they were buying and selling goods using the understanding and the knowledge that they had to extend the value that they'd been given and then we see the third servant who who has one bag and he digs a hole and he, he doesn't even attempt to do anything with what the master had given him and he just waits for the master to return and so when, when the master does return and each servant comes and reports on what they did and what they had been given, you know, the first servant comes back with five bags and, and or sorry, the first servant who had been given five bags comes back with ten bags and the second servant two bags and was given two bags and comes back with four bags. And the third servant obviously comes back with just the bag that he was given at the start. And so if we, we look at that as a whole, the master actually did pretty well, hey, you know, he hands out eight bags of silver and then he goes on his journey and he comes back and he gets 15 bags in return. That's an 87.5% increase on investment. And then we look at the master's response. The two servants who were active with what they had been given, were given the same reward. It didn't matter that one had five and returned ten and one had two and returned four, but the master gave them the same reward. Come and let's celebrate together. And it was the one who did nothing who, 
who had a bad opinion of who the, the master was that ended up being the one who was punished because of his inactivity to, to work for the master with what he'd been given. Because of the lack, the master took away all that he had and sent him out into the darkness. And so I guess, what, what's, the, what's the point of going through these parables today? I know, and I've talked already about a few things, that there's, um, there's, there's a lot more to these, and I could go on and on, and I actually really struggled to condense what God wanted me to talk about this morning, and we may continue to look at it in coming weeks. But I want to encourage you to just spend some time in this, in your own time, through the week, get it out and just read it over, and just let God speak to you through these parables, through these stories. But there are some key things that I want to draw out for us today. The first thing is that Jesus wants personal relationship with us. Each one of us has a responsibility for our own relationship with God. You know, we, we can't be like the five bridesmaids who were, who were not prepared and, and were relying on other people for when Jesus finally comes. To have Jesus say, I don't know who you are. And like the servants with the bag of silver, Jesus is only interested in what we did with what he has given us to work with. You know, if, if we will work and use what we have been given by him for God's purpose. If we are active and at work for God's purpose, the reward for us is to be in his glory. Jesus won't come down and he won't stand like up the front here and he'll look at the church and go, look at what Cornerstone has done, come with me. But he'll look at each one of us and say, what have you produced? What have you done with this incredible gift of salvation that I have given you? So Jesus is, is calling each one of us to use the incredible blessings that he has given us. Blessings that we can never repay. The gift of eternal life can never be repaid. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross can never be repaid. But each one of us is called to work to increase God's kingdom. You know, all of us who do what we can to increase God's kingdom, to shine his light and to share his love, will receive the same reward, which is celebration with him for all eternity. You know, and per perhaps as you are hearing these words today, maybe, maybe your view of God is, is like that third servant who had the one bag of silver. You know, maybe, maybe you think that God is harsh and, and he's all about punishment. But, that, but that's formed from a lack of personal understanding and relationship with God. So I want to challenge you to think about what your relationship is like with God this morning and think about the things that he has done for you and the things that he has on offer for you. Because James 1 tells us the true nature of God and it says that all that is good and perfect is a gift that is coming down from God our Father who created the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Our God 
my God, the one that we are gathered here today to worship and to learn about and to grow in understanding about is, is steadfast and he is generous and he does not change. And he desires good things for you and he desires good things for me, so much so that he sent Jesus who died a horrible death on the cross so that we could have personal relationship with him. Have personal relationship with God for all eternity. Now that is an incredible reward that cannot be repaid. And God loves each one of us and he, and he desires for each one of us to be in relationship with him. He desires for every single person in the world to be in relationship with him. And as, again, as Isaac talked about this morning, he puts people into our, into our care, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our sporting teams, in the places that we go, the petrol station where we fill up our car. There are interactions and moments and opportunities to build relationship. to further God's kingdom. And so when we have that personal relationship with God, with Jesus, we are filled with his Holy Spirit. And it is his Spirit that enables us and energises us. And it's his Spirit that produces in us the qualities that reflect Jesus and enable us to shine his light. Just like the torches were designed to do for the bridesmaids to light the way for the wedding procession. And the Holy Spirit produces in us qualities, the, the fruit of the Spirit, as we know, in Galatians 5. And it just says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so there is a challenge for us to think about, do we really have that personal relationship with Jesus? You know, maybe you feel like you don't have that today, that you don't have that personal relationship and that understanding of God. And, and in a few moments, moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come and rectify that because God wants to invite you into that personal relationship. He wants you to understand his heart. He wants you to understand his desires for your life. Or maybe you're here today and you do have that personal relationship, but you feel like you've never really received the Holy Spirit power in your life. And at the end, I want to give an opportunity for people to come and to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, if that's you. And I'd like you to come and do that. And so, the first thing I want to point out today, as I've had on the screen before, Jesus wants personal relationship with us. The second takeaway, the second challenge, don't be jealous of other believers. Use what you've got and where you're at for God. You know, as, as, as Christians, as followers of Christ, as those who have accepted the invitation that Jesus has on offer for his forgiveness and his grace and his gift of eternal life, we have been given so much more that than, than we can ever repay, just again like those servants with the bags of money. We need to use what we've got. 
We need to use where we are at, where we find ourselves, and and use that to give God glory and to give your all for God. We need to do what we can for his glory and his purpose. And and the reward doesn't change because that reward is, is eternal life in heaven with God, but God wants us to be active, to be in relationship with him. So that we know intimately who he is. So we know intimately who we are ourselves as God created us to be. And he wants to be a part of everything in our lives. He wants to be a part of every challenge and every situation and every triumph and every failure. And he will use all of that to point to his glory and to his purpose. Okay, so then the third thing that I want us to understand this morning is to remember that, sorry, remember the joy that is to come. You know, we can get really wrapped up in the doom and the gloom that the end is coming. But there is joy to come, not doom and gloom for us who have a relationship with God. You know, even even Jesus You know, we read in Romans 12, because of the joy that was awaiting him, Jesus endured the cross for us, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's holy throne. You know, as as we've been reminded over these last few weeks that that as believers, as, as those who have personal relationship with God, there is joy in the return of Jesus. You know, we can be safe and secure in the knowledge that that we will be invited into the feast, that we will be part of the celebration, that we will be in heaven with God, with Jesus, with his Holy Spirit for all eternity. And so then allow that knowledge, allow that understanding to spur you on, to champion you on, to keep you heading in the journey that God wants you to head on as we wait for Jesus' return. Put your faith in Jesus. You know, and, and as we do that, that doesn't mean that there won't be challenges and there won't be hardship. because there will be. But God can use all of that for his glory to declare his kingdom. And so because of those hardships, because of those challenges that we know are going to come, the final thing I want to challenge us with today is to encourage one another and to journey together. You know, we are, we are all created differently. Thank you, God. God has given each one of us different gifts and abilities. He's given us different challenges. We have had different successes and different difficulties and different failures through our journeys to this point. And we will continue to do that. But he's going to use every single part of that journey to further his kingdom if we allow him to do that and if we are actively engaged in doing that. If we have eyes like God has to see the things around us, to to have ears to hear that moment when God says to us, 
I'm giving you that one. And so as we journey together as a body, encourage one another as we walk together, as we serve together. If you see someone doing something, you think, that is amazing, I'm going to encourage them in that. Or maybe they're not doing something and you think they've got the ability to do that, I'm going to encourage them, hey, why don't you do this? I see this gift in you. Encourage one another. Champion each other on. But journey together. Journey together and share the burden along with Christ. Get in a connect group if you're not in one. Build relationships. Spend time in the cafe after church. Have a coffee. Sit down and just talk life. Have real talk. Not just, oh, isn't the weather nice? You know what I mean? Yeah. How are you going? Good. That's like the conversations I have with my teenage son. So, you know. But have real conversation. Do life together. Encourage one another. Champion each other on. Let's stand and let's, let's pray. Lord God, I want to I thank you for who you are and the fact that, that you want to be in personal relationship with each one of us. You know, I, I thank you for this incredible gift of eternal life and forgiveness that you have, you have on offer and poured out for us. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, these incredible gifts that we can never repay. This is not something that we need to earn or achieve and I just thank you for that, God. But God, I just pray that you would enable each one of us just to remember the joy that is to come. In the midst of every single situation that we find ourselves in, that we would be in this place of remembering the joy. God, I pray for each one of us that you would, you would help us to be prepared for your return, whenever that might be. And God, I pray as, as we wait that you would help us to shine your light, to shine your glorious light through your Holy Spirit in us, out into the world. God, I pray that you would give us your wisdom, that you'd give us your understanding of situations that we find ourselves in. God, I pray that you would give us the same heart that you have for this world around us. And I pray that you would enable each one of us to work, to be active and at work for your glory and for your kingdom. Amen. So as I, as I mentioned earlier, you, you may find yourself in a place where, where you don't have that personal relationship with God. And you know, perhaps you've realized this morning as, as you're sitting here and you're hearing these words that you know, maybe, maybe you've been relying on other people to be that connection to God. Again, God wants to be in personal relationship with you and that, and that invitation is on offer you know, if you want to enter into that personal relationship with God to receive this incredible gift of forgiveness and an incredible gift of eternal life with Him, I want to invite you just to pray a simple prayer with me now. So let's just pray together if that's you. Just pray this with me. Lord God, I thank you that you want personal relationship with me. I thank you, Jesus, 
that you died and you rose again for me. That in doing that, you took my sin. God, I am sorry for the sin that is in my life and I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you that I am forgiven. I thank you for Jesus and his death and resurrection that makes that possible and I invite you into my life. Amen. So if you prayed that prayer, I I want to welcome you to the family of God. I'd love it if you come and tell me or tell a person that you, you came with or someone nearby and so we can celebrate that awesome decision with you. And so we're going to close our service. We're going to sing. Mitch and the team are going to lead us in a bit more singing, which is going to be awesome. But again, I want to invite you, if you have need for prayer, to come to the front. I would love to pray with you. You know, If you feel like you don't have that Holy Spirit filling, I want to invite you to come. I want to pray with you that you would receive that as well. So let's... Let's just worship together as we close. Bless you.